If you have found yourself here, you are probably a mom to a new baby and are searching for answers and ways to navigate this hard season of motherhood. You may be experiencing postpartum mood and anxiety disorders and wondering just when you will feel like you again. I'm Chassie Cox, a postpartum mood and anxiety survivor, a mama to five and a certified trauma-informed life coach. Together, let's begin this journey of healing and self-discovery, layer by layer, so you can find you and be the mama you desire to be. Hey mama! Welcome to the first episode of the Postpartum Nanny Podcast. On this episode, I wanted to talk about my postpartum stories, my birth stories, all the good stuff that us mamas like to share, especially when we're together in a circle. And that's what I want you to see and feel when you listen to this podcast, that it's just you and me talking to each other, just in an intimate relationship each and every week that I post on a podcast. And I really wanted to get this podcast out because I feel like I have so much to say to you, mama, but it's really hard to get that across on Instagram and not always in the messaging. So in this way, I hope you find value and support and guidance on your healing in your postpartum period of life, which we all know that the first year after having a baby is the most difficult year and it's easy to get lost in motherhood. And so let's just, let's just dive into my story. So I am a mom to five and with each of my babies, I have had postpartum depression and anxiety. Some are worse than others, but it's been a journey to say the least. So right now my oldest is 11, almost 12, and I have a two and a half year old as my youngest. So they go down from 11, nine, almost five. He'll be five next week. Or I missed a kid. Oh my gosh, you guys. <laughs> okay. I have an 11 year old, almost 12 year old, a nine year old, a seven year old, an almost five year old next week, and then a two and a half year old. So they're all about two, two and a half years apart. And I love that age gap, but it's been really hard sometimes to have like that closer age gap. But I've loved, again, watching them like play together and be together. So I was 20 when I got pregnant with my first baby and I had her at age 21. And honestly, like any other new mom, I was just so excited to be a mom. When I found out I was pregnant, it was like so shocking. Not that we weren't preventing, so it shouldn't have been such a shock, but it's just shocking because like I feel like a lot of us mamas, before we get pregnant, especially with our first baby, we have this fear that we're not going to get pregnant easily or it's not going to be for us. Like we're going to have trial with, you know, this trial of not getting or conceiving And the thing is, yes, like I have so many friends and family members who have gone and had to, um, you know, go through infertility and things like that. But, you know, it's just, it's just a miracle to get pregnant. And so I just remember being like, wow, what a miracle. I'm finally pregnant. So I, of course, was pregnant and around seven weeks pregnant. I got so sick (laughs) and I got hit with like morning sickness, which by the way, we all know morning sickness is not real. It's all day sickness every single day for most of us. And so I 
was just surviving and I was sick pretty much the whole pregnancy. But otherwise, everything was super great and I was healthy and the baby was healthy and all was well. And so I went into labor with her and I started laboring with her at home on July 3rd. And I was doing great, you know, definitely contractions had picked up every five minutes, but I had a lot of um, pedromal labor, even with her, just like fake labor, just with all the Braxton Hicks. So I was like, I think this is the real thing, but I don't know. And then of course, I started getting stronger contractions. So the morning of July 4th, I went in at like 6am. And I was four centimeters, doing great, progressing, um, struggling with back labor. So I did a lot of hip swaying and walking, but they sent me home because I didn't progress enough within two hours. And so I went home and I walked around the block and every contraction I stopped and I just labored all day at home, swaying my hips, you know, um, dealing with that back labor. And this is later on, I found out that my uterus is tilted. So all my babies are posterior, which means I have back labor with all my babies. But as a first time mom, that is not what I I didn't know, right? Um, so yeah, so I labored all that day and my mom had just gotten in town and it was time to have a baby. So on July 4th, I went to the hospital and I was in, living in Utah at the time and we were on this hospital like on the side of the mountain pretty much. And so while I was laboring, I was watching fireworks go off at like 11 o'clock at night and I had her and I was eight centimeters and I did get an epidural because I was like, I had been in labor over 20 something hours and I was exhausted. I was like 30 plus hours at that point. And I got an epidural and I had her 30 minutes later. So I didn't have to feel that part of pushing her out. Thank goodness um, for me at that time, that's what I needed. And that was, was, you know, it was best for me. So I pushed her out. It's super easy, like two pushes. And there was my new born baby. And it was just crazy. Like the doctor was like, did you, um, um, you know, go with your, how did he say it? I can't remember. It was just something silly because she had a ton of black hair, curly hair. So they made a joke like I cheated on my husband, but of course, no, it's his baby and he has really curly black hair. So that's where it's from. Um, but yeah, she's perfect and it was just wonderful. I had a great experience with that. I mean, it was hard of course, and it was exhausting, but I was just so grateful to have her. And so, you know, the first couple of days I was totally fine. I was pretty relaxed and just, you know, learning to nurse and learning all the things about motherhood, which is super overwhelming. But I did have my mom with me, um, guiding me and helping me. Thank goodness. But it was still super overwhelming and hard and no one prepares you for the emotional roller coaster after you have a baby. And so, you know, I definitely was feeling a lot of strong emotions, but I didn't know where they were coming from. I just thought, you know, I just had a baby. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm breastfeeding around the clock. I'm just, you know, healing everything. Everything in my body's leaking <laughs> and no one prepares you for that. And I don't think anyone can really. I mean, every postpartum experience is different. And for me, like, it was great. It was just like really hard. So that was my first born and within a year of having her, like I was feeling awful and I noticed I had, you know, I, I felt different and I felt off, but I didn't know what was wrong with me. 
I was just like, you know, this is just motherhood. Like I devote my whole life to this baby. And that's what I did. I devoted my whole life to my baby. And that included not really going out with friends and doing things I wanted to do because I felt like I had to take care of her all the time. And I wanted to take care of her all the time. I honestly didn't have this urge to leave her, you know, and if I did want to leave her, I just felt mom guilt so bad and so hard that I didn't want to leave her. But around a year old, I started running half marathons when she was a year old. And that's the first time I realized I had lost myself is when I found myself through running. And the running came because I was just wanting to lose like baby weight. You know, it'd been a year and I was ready to work out again and really get back in a routine. And I started and ran my first half marathon when she was like just over a year old. And it was amazing. The weight really dropped fast and I felt amazing and I felt more like myself again because growing up I was an athlete, soccer player, track, swimming, all of those things. And so I just felt like me again and it was great to feel that. And, um, but again, I didn't even know I was really lost in motherhood. I guess I kind of did, but running and taking that time for myself really helped me refocus and see myself again and who I am and who I want to be. Um, so then she was kind of a hard baby as in later on, she, uh, she had struggled with eating foods and solids and, She cried the first year of her life from colic and acid reflux, and so honestly, it took us a while to know if we even wanted another baby or not, and I knew I wanted another baby, but I just didn't know when because it had just been such a hard like year and a half with her and trying to figure things out and how to get her to eat food because she had a texture problem and um, just, yeah, just all that stuff, so it was just a lot, so I finally did decide around, I guess she was like, Noli was my oldest. I guess she was like 18 months. I'm like, let's have another baby. So, um, we actually got pregnant pretty quickly and I had a miscarriage. So I had a miscarriage between Noli and Parley and they were about, and I lost the baby about eight weeks. Um, so that was devastating and it really took a toll on me, but I was just like, I just have to get pregnant again. I just have to get pregnant again. That's what I felt like would heal me. That's at the time. That's what I felt like I needed. And I honestly miscarried that baby and got pregnant two weeks later. So right during my ovulation, the next ovulation I had, I got pregnant right away. And that's how we conceived with Parley. And she's now my nine-year-old. And Parley was a really good... um, Again, like I was super sick. I had morning sickness all the way up to 18 weeks with her. And, you know, the pregnancy went great. We actually did a big move from Utah to Alabama during that time. And so that was rough being like so sick and driving across the country. Um, But yeah, like it was great. And then we, when we lived in Alabama, I had really good friends and it was just so fun. And we did a lot of fun stuff there. We were there for military training. My husband's in the military. So it was great. And we lived there for a year and a half. And so I delivered her in Alabama. Um, I did not like my OB, did not like my doctor, but I just, I didn't know how to advocate myself. And so I just went along with it and what, it was just like, oh, whatever, like he'll just deliver my baby. And then in the back of my mind during this pregnancy, I'm like, I kind of want to deliver this baby naturally. (laughs) So I manifested delivering this baby naturally. So guess what? I did end up delivering her naturally. Um, and so, 
Um, not on purpose though, but kind of. So my husband was in training um, on, on a military base. And so it was like, I had been laboring, I feel it, you know, off and on throughout the day. And um, I did fully go into labor and I called him out of class. And I was like, <laughs> you know, when you call them, you can't call them directly. And I had to call whoever was the officer or whatever, who I talked to on the phone. I was like, um, can you send home Brad Cox from school, please? Um, I think I'm in labor. And the guy on the other phone was like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, yes, 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 yes. So he comes flying home and all I wanted, I had been laboring like off and on all day. And I was definitely in labor when he got there, like definitely. (laughs) And all I wanted was pancakes. (laughs) I was just like, I just want pancakes. So he started making me pancakes and I had been contracting inconsistently. Just take note, I don't contract like normal, like consistency. So sometimes I'll have seven minutes apart. Sometimes they're two minutes apart. Again, laboring, back labor. Um, so he made me some pancakes, but I ate like the first pancake and I was like, oh my goodness, I think we need to leave right now. So I started transitioning and the house like right then and I started wanting to throw up so I knew I was like in starting to feel pressure I was like oh my gosh we have to go to the hospital right now and the hospital is 20 minutes away and so my neighbor took Nolly for me thank goodness um and so we got to the hospital and I'm sitting in the ER because here at this hospital you have to sit in the ER and not go straight to labor and delivery and Um, I'm sitting there and I'm just like in the ER in a wheelchair and the nurses are calling up to labor and delivery. My husband's in, in the waiting room, in the emergency room. I'm in the doors, like the triage area without him. Can't see him. Don't know what he's doing. He's trying to like check me in and stuff. And I'm laboring you guys, (laughs) like contracting every three minutes. And I'm in like, I'm trying not to scream or anything and I didn't and I'm sitting in this wheelchair and there's there's some people in another room like watching me. The nurses are F-bombing each other because they're upset that another labor and delivery patient is there and they're already booked in full. And so I'm just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have this baby in the emergency room. So they finally took me up to labor and delivery and they laid me on a bed, checked me. I was nine and a half centimeters. And so guess what? Yep. They're like, hey, the doctor has to do a C-section any minute and you're about to have this baby. So you need to start pushing now. Now, I was not ready to push yet. I didn't feel an urge to push, but they were rushing me because there was two other women in labor about to have their babies and one was a C-section. So they were like, you got to have this baby now because you're like priority now (laughs) because you're so you've progressed so quickly and you're here. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, and I just started crying knowing I wasn't getting an epidural or having that relief. And of course I did manifest this, but in the moment, if you've had a baby naturally or just a baby in general, it's a stressful event. And I, I was just under stress. And so I remember looking at my husband like crying and be like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to do this? I'm in so much pain. And the problem was they strapped me to a bed laying down. And if you have back labor, laying down on a hospital bed is not comfortable at all. Um, so yeah, so I, I delivered her. I pushed her out. She literally, my husband says, shot out like a football because there's so much, like I still had some water behind her, um, from, you know, 
I guess, water and blood and all sorts of stuff. So when she came out, she shot out like a football and I tore really, really, really bad because I wasn't ready to push like that. And honestly, I just pushed because I was so in pain and I probably should have listened to my body more, but I didn't know how to do that. Um, so yeah, so I pushed her out all the, and really quickly and she came and lots and lots of stitches later, um, the stitches were worse than the actual labor. Like they were so painful and I just remember my legs were just like shaking so bad because I just pushed the baby out and the stitches were very uncomfortable. Um, but yeah, and then I just stayed at the hospital for a day or two and, uh, I almost take note, I forgot to mention this, but I almost hemorrhaged with her and I almost hemorrhaged with my first two. And when I say almost, it means I was kind of hemorrhaging, but they were able to stop it. So I didn't need uh, blood transfusions or anything like that, but they did have to do like um, shots and things like that, trying to stop the uh, hemorrhaging from happening. So um, that postpartum was not the greatest. I ended up getting mastitis at three weeks when she was three weeks old, which was, oh my gosh, I thought I was going to die. So it felt like the flu and I thought I was going to die. My mom could only stay with me for a couple weeks or it was like a week and a half. And so when she left, I felt like the world was ending. Like I was like, there's no way I can do this. Postpartum depression, anxiety were a hundred percent kicked in at that point. And I just remember freaking out, just like, how am I going to take care of my toddler and this baby and recover? And my husband's gone 12 hours a day for military training, schooling. And yeah, like, how am I going to do this? Um, so, I mean, I pushed through and lots and lots of prayers. Like a lot of moms, a lot of you, especially my clients have asked me, they're like, how have you had five kids and had postpartum depression, anxiety five times? And honestly, you guys, all I can say is God and prayer. Like that is what has pushed me through because I didn't have the tools for healing and how to get through it. And this, and I had support from my mom and my husband tried to be there when he could, but I, I didn't know. I didn't know any of this stuff that I know now as your postpartum coach. So yeah, it was crazy. And she was actually probably one of my chillest babies that I had, which was such a miracle. And she wasn't as colic, but she was still colic. We just had a witching hour for two or three hours every single night, but then she slept pretty good. So it was, she was a blessing in that way. Um, so yeah, fast forward, we moved back across the country, back to Utah, and I got pregnant with my third baby soon, soon after Parley, and that's Revy, and she, um, she's, she's just, like, they're just under two years apart, so they're, they're my closest babies, and my pregnancy with her, with her was really stressful, like very stressful. My husband lost his job in that time period. He broke his shoulder snowboarding during that pregnancy. And he also had foot surgery. So within all of those surgeries and him not having his job for six months, I was working full time from home, providing for our family and also tending to my husband who couldn't even walk or bathe for like 10 weeks <laughs> and also trying to raise two other little toddler, a toddler and, you know, two other little kids that were only one and a half and three and then pregnant. And, um, I just, that was just a really hard pregnancy in general, just because of the stressors that I had, but also the sickness, of course, was there. And I, 
I was just so grateful to deliver her. I had her on November 20th and right before Christmas and it was right before Thanksgiving, the week of Thanksgiving. And I just remember like her, her labor though, I did choose to get induced because I was two days overdue and I was getting really big and my doctor just recommended it and suggested it. And at the time I didn't know what I wanted. All I knew is I wanted the baby out. I just wanted the baby out. <laughs> and honestly, you guys, that was the best labor. And I went in to get my induction that afternoon on the 20th. And I had her within four hours with, and I had, yes, I had an epidural, but it was like so calm, so peaceful and just an amazing labor. And it was just great. And I did realize like my body does really well with inductions because I'm able to relax more and not feel that back labor. And yeah, four hours later, there she was. So that's Reevee's birth. And then postpartum was awful with her. This is when I started realizing that I, something's like off with my recoveries postpartum because I thought everyone felt all this anxiety and sadness. And I just thought it was normal. I had no idea that postpartum depression, anxiety, like even really existed. Um, but this is when I started researching and wondering, like, something's off with me, you know, like after I have a baby, I'm like a completely different person. So, and it's not that I ever wanted to hurt my babies or anything like that. I've never had that, but I definitely had the intrusive thoughts, these really strong anxiety to the point where like no one could even watch them because I felt like I had to be the only caretaker for them and I couldn't sleep at night a lot and for a long time um after they're born because I thought they were gonna start stop breathing like I was just I cared so much for my babies that that's like my survival mode was so strong with my babies to protect them and to protect myself and so yeah like it was then when I realized after my third baby, like, oh, this isn't normal. Oh, I am not supposed to be this sad all the time. And I'm not supposed to have this kind of anxiety or these intrusive thoughts. And I, I just, I literally had no idea. I I even have like a YouTube video that I made um, back after she was born talking about postpartum depression and anxiety. So that's when I figured this all out that I was suffering with this and after each baby, I've had to like find myself in motherhood again. I've had, after each baby, I'm a different person. And so I have to like relearn what makes me happy, what doesn't anymore. Like, who am I behind motherhood? And with each baby, I did find that, but I didn't really find that till after my fifth baby. And that's also when I became a postpartum coach. Um, but yeah, we're continuing. This is probably going to be a longer story or podcast than I expected, but hey, it's all great. So yeah, so again, back labor with her. It was great though, because I had the epidural, the induction went so smooth and my husband could be there. That's another thing I started um, doing inductions because my husband's schedule is super crazy and I never knew if he was going to be home or not. And it just really helped having a scheduled induction so he could be sure to be off work for that, um, to be there for the birth of his children. And he has been there for each one of them somehow by some miracle. Um, but yeah, then I got pregnant with um, my fourth baby, and this was our little boy that I um, was so shocked that we were pregnant with a boy. <laughs> I thought, I'm just going to have girls. That's just all I'm going to have. But honestly, before I even started having kids, I thought I'd only have boys, and now I mostly have girls, so it's kind of funny. And his pregnancy 
went well too. I mean, again, sick as could be. Morning sickness is awful and had all of that. But yeah, it was really good. Nothing really to like talk about other than it was just a normal another pregnancy and taking care of three other kids and all of that fun stuff. And so I um I had him actually on my birthday. So our birthday's coming up and on January 26th and so that's it's just fun that we share a birthday, but that's the day I chose to induce him on because the doctor was available then and my husband was available then. And so I um, had Mr. Huey and it's actually named after a helicopter because my husband actually flies helicopters for the military, for the army. And so we named him Huey and he um, had a really, we had, you know, normal induction, four hours. He was my biggest baby. He was eight pounds, 12 ounces. All my babies were like between eight pounds, like eight pounds, two ounces up to eight pounds, 12 ounces, um, until my fifth baby. And she was only seven pounds, nine ounces. So she was just a small thing. So, um, I had Huey and Huey had a lot of medical issues and problems that we had to figure out. And so he was definitely the hardest baby when it comes to medical things. And I mean, Noli had her acid reflux and colic and Parley had colic and Revy had colic, but, um, but yeah, nothing like what Huey experienced. So when he was born, he had his bilirubin was all, it was super high. And so he was under the lights the first week or two. And we had to go to the doctor every single day for 14 days to prick his foot, which was so hard on me. And then during this time, my other daughter, you know, Huey was two weeks old. My other daughter decided to stick metal aluminum up her nose um, and had to go to the ER. And it was just like all these random things happening that just made postpartum healing even harder. He also had a cradle cap that would never go away. His billy room, by the way, took six weeks to finally go down. And I was breastfeeding him and we did do some formula, but his, it's just, they call it breastfeeding, um, breastfeeding oh my goodness can't think of it right now but yeah it's just like where he just has jaundice breastfeeding jaundice you know and no matter how much I fed him or what I fed him he still had the jaundice and so it just took him a really long time to get rid of his yellow skin but he was healthy overall in that sense but then he had a cradle cap he had two clogged ducts in his eyes um he had um his tongue was lip tied and he had a tongue tie and a lip tie and that's usually not a big deal but for weeks he screamed and screamed and screamed and cried and screamed and cried and I had postpartum depression and anxiety and I was doing my best trying to support him um, but there were so many nights I would hold him screaming and put on music and just hope that like he would stop crying you know um but it was just, it was really hard. It was really rough. And so finally I was just tired of hearing my baby scream. And I was like, something is wrong. And I went to the pediatrician three times. I'm like, something is not right. Like, yeah, he's had the jaundice and he has the cradle cap that won't go away. And he has the clogged tear ducts and he has all these things. But what about his tongue and lip tie? Like, I really think it's his tongue tie. But every time we went to the doctor, he was gaining weight and he was healthy looking overall. But I just knew, and this is what us mamas know. You guys know this, you know, but intuitively we know how to take care of our babies. That's like the gift that we're given when we have these babies adopted or, you know, maternal, whatever it may be. And, 
And I just remember being like, no, like something's not right. And so I ended up taking him to a pediatric chiropractor because I was just like, well, at least give him some relief from his belly or whatever's causing him to cry um, because all my babies were gassy too. So they all had tons and tons of like stomach issues. So um, he was just like, I was just like, let's just give him relief. So I go to the pediatric chiropractor and the first thing she said to me after like his evaluation and just working on him that day, she's like, listen, I can work on your son forever, <laughs> but it'll never relieve him from this extreme tongue tie and lip tie. Like that is causing him so much like pain. And I was like, what do you mean pain? And I noticed in the first 10 weeks that his head was always like looking up, like he would always look up. And I'm like, that's so weird. Like none of my other babies did that, but I just thought maybe in the womb, he was always like stretching his neck up. I don't know, you know? And so, yeah, so I was just like, that's so weird. And she's like, you need to get this revised as soon as possible with laser revision. And I was like, okay, do you have a recommendation? And sure enough, she had a recommendation to a dentist. And so within the week, we were at the pediatric dentist and they're like, oh, yeah, this is the worst case of a lip tie and tongue tie we've ever seen. Like, we don't even understand how he's breastfeeding right now, other than your anatomy works really well with him and his mouth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, okay. So he got the revision done. So they lasered his tongue and his lip, um, his lip tie and tongue tie. And they even asked me, they took pictures and they even asked me if I could sign this release form for them to use these pictures of his tongue and lip tie for education because it's like the one of the worst cases they had ever seen. And so he got his tongue tie and lip tie revised and he was a different baby. Like he was 10 weeks old and overnight a different baby. The first three days were rough because after your baby has a tongue or lip tie revision like that with the laser, you have to massage their mouth like every four hours around the clock so it doesn't like grow back together. M massaging meaning like splitting the tongue, you know, from the bottom of the mouth and also the lip from the top so so that it doesn't grow back together. And that was miserable for both of us. And he screamed every single time. But in the end, it completely changed him. After those three days, he was never flinging his head back anymore and looking up. He he was crying still, but not near like he was, right? Just the normal baby cries. And so, yeah, like I feel like a lot of his issues came from his tongue and lip tie. So I'm telling this story because if you have a baby that maybe is experiencing tongue or lip tie, I hope that you... Um, I hope this story helps you to advocate for your baby because my pediatrician wanted nothing to do with me. He thought I was like judging him for being a doctor because I kept asking like, don't you think his lip tie should be right? Don't you think his tongue, like maybe that's it. Um, but he didn't believe me. But then that was awkward going back into the office after I did do the revision um, without him knowing. And he's like, oh, I've never heard of that before. Interesting. So like he wasn't very open-minded about hearing about Huey's case and what happened, but he also wasn't, you know, he's just kind of like beside himself, like, oh, like crap, I was wrong, <laughs> you know, but that's okay. Like that's, that's why we're moms. Like that's why we have this gift of intuition and we're able to be guided by some, some of you, maybe I even call it the Holy Ghost, you know, the Holy Ghost can guide us and help us with our babies and give us not just our babies, but with ourselves, which segues really well into my fifth baby. And so Huey did do well, like he grew up into an amazing little boy. And I got through my postpartum depression and anxiety again for the fourth time, but this time knowing what it is. And I knew 
better how to handle it. So I handled it by talking to my husband when my anxiety was really high or my mom. Um, but that's all I really did. Just some talking, you know, just to get it off because the, one of the first steps and best healing tools of having postpartum depression, anxiety is sleep and also talking about it. And so I was making sure I was taking a nap every single day and I would force myself to take a nap every single day just to have relief from some of that anxiety. Um, nighttime was the worst time when I had anxiety. Every night I would, when the sun was setting, my anxiety would go super high, which I've learned that's normal. But at the time, I didn't know that was normal. I just knew it just set in every single night. So after our fourth baby, honestly, my husband was done having kids and I was too. I was just like, I cannot go through postpartum again. Not one more time. Like, I literally cannot do this one more time. And when Huey, by the way, when Huey was five months old, I moved across the country by myself with four kids. My mom did help me um, to Tennessee. And this is from Utah to Tennessee. And I went into a severe depression um, and to the point where my husband was deployed for a year and a half and I was by myself. And I remember taking a picture and Huey was probably, um, he was probably about eight or nine months old. And I remember taking a picture with my kids and being like, that's the last time they're going to see their mom. So I was really deep into postpartum, um, depression and I wasn't, it wasn't just the baby and it wasn't just that. It was just all the circumstances and the weight of, parenthood by myself it felt like in the aloneness that I felt and I felt alone even though I wasn't alone and which doesn't make sense but if you've had depression or anxiety you know exactly what I'm trying to say and what I'm saying right now and if you're listening to this podcast you might be that person right now too and this is these are the mom this is who I help is you mamas who are struggling with this because not only have I been through this and experienced it multiple times I've also now learned the skills of life coaching and trauma-informed to help you relieve this anxiety and depression and to truly, like, find yourself again. And so I was done. I was done having kids, and my husband was deployed, but I got this really strong feeling there was one more baby. And... I actually got that strong feeling right two days after Huey was born. I had the feeling there was one more baby. And I remember sitting on my steps crying to my mom, like, I can't do this again. Like, there's no way. I cannot believe God has already told me there's one more baby. Like, there's no way. So I pushed it out of my mind, like, we're done. And then my husband was deployed, and he kept saying no. And I was just like, but I feel like there's one more. There's one more. And sure enough... I was on the beach when my husband was deployed and I got this strong answer that you're going to have another baby and his or her name is going to be Sunny. No matter what, it's going to be Sunny. And so I followed that prompting from God and I, and I, when my husband got home, um, about, we got pregnant about seven, eight months after his deployment, after he got home. And it actually took me a while to get pregnant with her. And that was disappointing because I usually get pregnant really quickly, which is a blessing, but it took us six months. And in the six months, I started not trusting my body and hating my body, being mad at it. Um, like, why can't I get pregnant? I had two chemical pregnancies. 
Um, so about a month or two before I did conceive, I started changing my eating and working out less. I was actually probably working out too hard and too much and started just walking and, you know, just trying to trust my body again. Like it can actually get pregnant and conceive and keep a baby. And sure enough, I did finally get pregnant and I have her, um, I had her in July of the next year and that was like fall and my pregnancy was rough. Of course I was sick the whole time and I haven't even mentioned this, but every time I have a baby, my varicose veins are really bad too. And that's really painful. Um, I have, especially on my left leg, it was like super painful and lots of pressure. And so I also have gotten hernias on my stomach since having these babies around my belly button that I still need to get fixed. Um, but yeah, and that was really painful. So between those things happening plus morning sickness, I just knew like my body was almost done having kids. Like I don't, not just like mentally, but physically also, you know? And so I chose another uh, induction. So I had one baby almost naturally got it with an epidural. My second baby was um, natural. And then my third, fourth, and fifth were inductions with epidurals. And with her labor, um, I just thought it would go smooth and, you know, like the other two, but it didn't go smooth, unfortunately. And so I went in to be induced and they... Um, I was actually already laboring. I was like contracting every five minutes and they started Pitocin and all that. And the doctor came in and broke my water. And usually when my water breaks, the babies come really fast because I don't know, but I guess that's normal. Um, but for me, it's really fast. And so they broke my water and my epidural, you know, I thought, okay, I'm going to get my epidural, got my epidural. And guess what? It did not take. And I'm laying on a bed, severe, severe back labor and really strong contractions from the Pitocin. Okay, quick, quick hindsight. Hindsight, I really, really, really probably would have hired a doula through my, my labors. Um, excuse me. But I didn't really know about all that until later on. So a doula or even a midwife and all of that. So honestly, my, my labor didn't go great. My aunt, it was a July 3rd. So everyone's gone. It's holiday. Also it's 2020 it's COVID. And so the anesthesiologist left after he gave me my epidural and then he had to come back and he was not happy about that. And they're like, listen, we can either give you another epidural or you can do lidocaine into your epidural, lay flat on your back and deliver this baby. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't want another epidural. I don't want another thing in my back, right? Like that scared me the first one. Um, but so they did do lidocaine, which did give me some relief. And then finally they called the doctor to turn off the Pitocin. Thank goodness. And I did have a little bit of relief um, from the contractions. But I thought, oh my gosh, like I'm going to die delivering this baby. I literally felt that way for an hour and a half. Um, but finally I did have some relief and I labored flat on my back, which was awful, miserable, not ideal, not recommended either. Um, but yeah, she did come and she, uh, had meconium. So she pooped <laughs> in her waters and, um, thankfully she didn't breathe it in and she came to this world. 
And come to find out her umbilical cord was very puny, are the words that my OB said. And it was a miracle that she even made it here. So we have our little Sunny now who truly is sunshine. Um, but yeah, after I had her, it's July 3rd, right? And it was July. I went home on July 4th. They didn't want anyone to stay in the hospital longer than they had to because of COVID. And so I chose, and I was doing well to go home within 24 hours after she was born. So I went home and everyone's doing like fireworks and everything. And I just remember being at my mom's house and, I was by myself at home and I started freaking out. Like I cannot be by myself really well after my babies because of my anxiety and depression. And I walked over to my mom's and I was like, mom, I'm spiraling. Like it's bad. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. And sure enough, like almost had an anxiety attack. Um, and I was like, here we go again. Because I, I really like thought it's my fifth pregnancy. I thought I'm not going to have postpartum depression, anxiety. I know how to do this. I know I'm safe. I know I'm okay. I know my baby's going to be okay. I just want to be that mom who like laid down her baby and didn't have to, and, and wasn't worried about like them breathing or whatever. I just wanted to have that peace, that inner peace. And guess what? Here we go again. And that's the day I was like, no, 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 no. This is not happening again. For the fifth time, I have postpartum depression and anxiety. And it was really hard for me to accept because I was just so tired of dealing with it after all my babies and not knowing how to get better. And she, um, she's sunshine and she's I'm just so glad she's here and that I didn't stop at four because she truly is the perfect caboose for our family. Um, but it was just so hard to experience depression like that again and anxiety and knowing it was coming. That was the worst part is like delivery was so exciting and scary too and nervous and nerve wracking, but it was really just knowing what was coming. And I had like mentally prepared like talked myself that I was going to be okay like it wasn't going to happen again and it happened again and it was like the biggest disappointment because I just wanted to enjoy my baby and have memories and not count away the days with them because with each of my babies I would just be like oh my gosh they're finally a month okay okay Okay, now they're two months. Perfect. If we could just get to six months, my depression and anxiety will go away. If we can just get to eight months. So I was always counting away the days and it was hard to really be in the moment and enjoy those beautiful, wonderful newborn memories. Um, I actually don't have a lot of memories from my newborn babies. Just very vague ones because I was so deep in depression and anxiety. Um but yeah, I felt like here we are again. It's stolen from me. This is my last baby. And I did hold, I held her a ton. But I still struggled with the depression and anxiety. And I just felt so alone. Even though my husband was there. My mom was there. And it was a really hard to accept. You know, like, now what? What do I do? So... I knew I would be okay because I had made it through the other four, right? But again, I hit a deep depression again about a year and a half after she was born. And I remember sitting there again being like, I had intrusive thoughts, suicide thoughts, thinking 
this is it. Like, I'm just done. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not enough. I can't do this anymore. Um, the pain, the sadness, the abandonment, the aloneness. And so I prayed to God to start helping me find someone to help me, a therapist or whatever, whatever the support I needed. And so I started praying and two weeks later, I stumbled across a coach, a life coach and therapist, a spiritual coach. And this is how we met. Um, I am a graphic designer and I have been for the last 13 years and I was a couple this is two and a half years ago and I was um doing design work for her and her business not really knowing what her business was and I was on the phone with her and she's like are you okay and I was just like what do you mean like yeah I'm fine she's like no no like are you okay like what's going on and I just started crying and talking to her. And she goes, do you know this is what I do? I'm a life coach. Like, I'm a spiritual coach. I help people just like you who are struggling with, like, mental, mental illnesses or depression, anxiety, or, heal, you know, just healing in general. And I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about. But she's like, we're starting tomorrow sessions. And I was like, what's a session? <laughs> and she's like, we just meet for an hour and we start healing your healing journey. And I just, I still had no idea what that entailed. Um, but literally the next day we started coaching sessions and she started her, you know, started coaching with me and it just started with a normal conversation and hers like, she's like, what about your past? And tell me more, like what happened when you're younger and this? And I was like, why is she asking me all these questions that I don't even, you know, like, I was like, what does this relate to my depression, anxiety right now? But come to find out that's what I had a bunch of trauma and healing to do from my past that kept coming through after I had my babies and I had no idea. And she worked with me for a solid, um, eight months. And then we just started, then I started my own path and journey, but she's still my coach till this day. I still consider her my life coach and we still work together. Um, and she still coaches me and I love our relationship and I love her. And yeah. So what happened though is three months after her and I started working together and she started coaching me and helping me heal and, relieve my depression and anxiety, I started seeing my light. I started seeing my confidence and that I can be more than who I've thought I've been for the past 10 years. And that's just being really deep in motherhood with some, you know, some little glimpses of who I am. And she's like, you're going to be a coach. You're going to be a life coach. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm a graphic designer. I've been a graphic designer for 10 plus years, like not going to happen. And not only did she take my life from going from super sad every day and depressed to literally like transforming my whole life, um, she helped me heal and really heal my past traumas to connect them and know why I did the things I did, why I felt sad and lonely, why I struggled with certain things, um, why my, I had depression and anxiety. Like we found all those roots and we started healing all these roots. And sure enough, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I want to be a life coach. Like I want to do this. I want to help people with their healing and, and do this. And so I started working with her and I started coaching through her to some of her people 
um, on her business side. And um, I coached for about three or four months and then decided I wanted to go on my own and do coaching. And that's the day I decided that because I kind of talked to her about doing postpartum coaching throughout that time period. But then that was like, the day I was like, no, like, I want to be a postpartum coach. I want to help moms with their own healing journeys, especially new mothers that are vulnerable, who are struggling. And now knowing that most of our traumas are coming through after we have a baby and we don't even know it. And that's why a lot of our anxiety and depression exists. And and I talk about this on my Instagram and I will throughout this podcast, but there's also other reasons like we're not sleeping, which is like the greatest medicine for anxiety and depression. Um, Our hormones are crazy, Um, past experiences, which is our trauma, and there's other reasons just, you know, for our depression and anxiety, not just trauma. Um, But yeah, so I became a postpartum coach, and that's how the postpartum nanny was created, and that's how I am now today, still a postpartum coach helping you mamas, and I have been on this journey for over a year now doing the postpartum nanny, but I've coached for six to seven months before that. So I've been coaching for almost two years and I love it. And I feel like this is home for me. This is where I belong. And that's helping you mamas through postpartum and being your, not only your coach, but your friend and your emotional support and to help you heal and relieve your anxiety and depression, just like I did. So not only did I go through postpartum depression and anxiety five times, but I've also gone through the whole healing process and healing's forever. It's, it's never like, oh, I'm healed. But, um, but yeah, like there's, I'm still healing every day. I'm human. I make mistakes. I still get triggered from past experiences, but now I know how to relieve them and I have the tools and these are the exact tools and ways that I help you to relieve your anxiety and depression and to find yourself in motherhood so that you too can enjoy the moments of motherhood that maybe feel uh, like they're being robbed from you right now or you just feel like you're a crazy person because that's what I felt like. I just felt like I was a crazy person. And again, I just thought this is how everyone feels and it's not true. And that's why I'm here and that's why I'm your postpartum coach and that's why I started this podcast so you can heal and know that you're not alone. And while we'll talk a lot about unhealed trauma and how that affects your your postpartum healing and how it does come through after you have a baby, we'll also just be talking about other mom topics and other people's birth stories. Um, I have some guests already recorded for this podcast and I will have mom guests on here but everything, relationships, postpartum, um, you know, boundaries, postpartum, how to set boundaries with yourself and others, all so many topics to talk about. And I'm just so glad to be here. But that's a little bit about me and my birth stories and my kids. And they're all beautiful, wonderful kids. And now that we're past the postpartum stages, um, it's, it's crazy to think that I survived, to be honest. Um, but like I said, I threw God and prayer and also just hope that I would be okay. I made it through. And I know you will too, Mama, especially if you're here listening to this. And I hope you know that you are loved and you are seen and you are worthy and you are the perfect mother for your baby. Okay, Mamas, that's the end of this podcast. And I will see you here next week here and we'll just have new topics every week and I'm just so glad to have you here 
just like and share and comment on this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss our weekly conversations, especially if you're mama thick in postpartum right now. I'm here for you. I see you. And I'm just so grateful to be here.